Now, the last two Wednesday nights, I have, uh, I have done something special, and tonight will be the third night of that uh, as far as teaching about the first night I taught on the mighty God. The second night I taught on the mighty God in Christ. And today, I'm going to wind up that study with uh, what we call the works of the Father. It will be much along the lines that we have talked about over the last two Wednesday nights. The reason I'm doing this is, because, number one, is because we do this ever so often in this church because it's very important that we know God and we understand who He is and uh, we understand the power that's in the name of Jesus. Somebody said amen. So this is a, this is a great study. I I may have mentioned this. I think probably I have mentioned this in times past, but uh, about 20 years ago, a little over 20 years ago, I was invited to speak in, uh, at, at uh, a Bible conference, and I spent three days talking about uh, what we have talked about here. So this is not new material for me, but it may be new material for some of you that have not been around here long and maybe for some of you that have been around here long. But uh, we're going to, pardon me, go right into the word of the Lord tonight, and you'll understand where I'm going as we proceed through our lesson. I hope you have a pen. There are blanks there for you to fill out. I'll try to slow down so that you can fill those blanks out as we go, and this will give us great understanding. I'll also take questions at the end or comments, whatever you may have because uh, I think that's always good in these studies. Let me read, first of all, from 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. Very, very powerful scripture in the New Testament. This is what it said. And without controversy, everybody say this with me, there's no argument. The Bible said without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God. Who is God? What is God? God is a spirit, right? We studied that two Wednesday nights ago. God is a spirit. So here's what it said. God, the spirit, if I could insert that, was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. So the scripture here is talking about Jesus. It's not talking about another. It's talking about Jesus. Without controversy, Jesus Christ was God manifest in the flesh. And the things that Paul said here in 1 Timothy 3.16 describe the very life and ministry of Jesus Christ. But notice those first two blanks, and I'll give them to you. The Scripture's talking about Jesus, and it is simply this. God manifest in the flesh. Manifest and flesh will fill in those two blanks. Let me proceed. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6 said this. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts. Notice this. God who commanded the, the light to shine out of darkness. God created the heavens and the earth. Amen? How many of you believe God created the heavens and the earth? 
The Bible said, he also commanded the light to shine out of darkness and has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. If you read that in the Living Bible, this is what it said. 2 Corinthians 4 and 6 in the Living Bible. It said, For God, who said, Let there be light in the darkness, has made us understand that it is the brightness of his glory that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. So we are, we are dealing tonight with the works of the Father because God was manifest in the flesh. Here's your next two blanks. In Jesus Christ. He was more than the visible image of the invisible God. He was, and you got to write this down in that next blank, he was the entirety of God manifest in the flesh. He was more than just the visible image of the invisible God. We know that God is invisible. We know nobody's ever seen him. We've studied all those scriptures over the last couple of weeks, but he was the entirety. Jesus Christ was the entirety of God manifest in the flesh. Jesus was 100% God. I want you to get that. How do I know that? Who else can walk on water? Who else can feed 5,000 with a few loaves and fishes? Who else can walk to the bow of the boat and say, peace, be still? Who else can step to the tomb of Lazarus and say, Lazarus, come forth, and though he had been dead four days and yet stinketh, he comes out of the grave. So, so we understand he was the entirety of God manifest in the flesh. Colossians 2.9, and I dealt with this last week, but it said, For in him, Jesus Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. I have a book that says, is Jesus in the Godhead or is the Godhead in Jesus? I've read it many times, written many, many years ago. Well, let me tell you, Jesus is not a member of the Godhead. The Bible said the Godhead dwells in him. The fullness of the Godhead dwells in him bodily. Amen. He is not a part of God. He is not another God. He is not a second God. The fullness of the Godhead dwells in him bodily. He is the personification and the manifestation of the one true and living God. Somebody shout amen. So in Matthew 28 and 18, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now, now, there's no power struggle here going on with two other parts of a triune being. He said, all power is given to Jesus Christ. I dealt with this a little bit last week. He is not co-equal with the Father because he said, my Father, which is spirit, Jesus said, my Father is greater than I. But then Jesus turned around and said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. If you believe that he is the, the only God and God manifest in the flesh, you will have to believe that when he said that, that the eternal God of glory, 
that was inside and a part of that body was saying, I still have all power in heaven and in earth. Somebody ought to shout amen. Colossians 3.17, I'm going somewhere, just stay with me. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father by him. Whatsoever you do in word or deed. Did you get that? Do you know what John the Baptist said when he started to baptize? I indeed baptize you. So whatsoever you do in deed or in word, do it all in the name of Jesus. Everything, here's your next blank, everything about God was manifest in Jesus Christ. Everything. Everything about God was manifest in Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible said it's not an argument. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. The Spirit was manifest through the body and the ministry of Jesus Christ. Everything about God was manifest in Jesus Christ. Here's your next two blanks. The full revelation of God is found in Jesus Christ. The full revelation. If you know Jesus, if you want to know God, here's your next sentence there, and your next blank. If you want to know God, know Jesus. That's why we're not afraid. Now look, we may say, our Father which is in heaven or which art in heaven. But that doesn't mean that it's another God. That means the Spirit. Because while the Spirit was in Christ, He was also indwelling all the earth and the heavens because He is the omnipresent God. I'm going to drill this in you Do you get this in your mind and you understand it. I want you to walk away from here understanding if you want to know God, just know Jesus. We'll prove that before this lesson's over tonight. That is why we, here's your next blank, pray in the name of Jesus. We pray. You know what's amazing to me? I know folks all over the world that, that they'll pray in the name of Jesus, but they won't baptize in the name of Jesus. Don't you get quiet on me. John 16, 26, what's this? At that day you shall ask in my name, and I, shall, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you. So we pray. Everybody say we pray in the name of Jesus. How many of you have ever said a prayer and say in Jesus' name, amen? Huh? We pray like that, don't we? We all pray like that. Everybody prays like that. But watch this. We also baptize in the name of Jesus. There's three scriptures listed there. The first one is when the Jews received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the words of Peter were, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then you go to Acts 8.16 and Acts 19.5. I'll not take time to quote those, but you will see where the name of Jesus was used in baptism. That is why we preach. There's your next blank. 
We preach in the name of Jesus. Acts 9.27 said, But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So we pray in the name of Jesus. We baptize in the name of Jesus. We preach in the name of Jesus. Guess what else? We cast out devils. There's your next blanks. We cast out devils in the name of Jesus. Acts 16 said in verse 18, And this did she many days, but Paul being grieved turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that same hour. Aren't you glad there's power in the name of Jesus? Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh? And when you use his name, you use that with power. Not only that, we pray healing. There's your next two blanks. We pray healing in the name of Jesus. You remember when Peter and John were going up to the temple of the hour of prayer, the Bible said in Acts chapter 3, he looked at the lame man at the gate and he said to him, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I unto thee in the name. How did he, what did he say? Somebody say it. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. So we pray heal in the name. See, when you, when you talk about speak the name, we sing that song. I, we sing it often around here. Speak the name. Speak the name. Speak the name of Jesus. Well, you know what we're saying? Invoke the name, call the name, say the name. Amen? The invocation of the name of Jesus is not a meaningless, ritualistic formula. It is calling upon the creator of all things. It is, fill these two blanks in, or three blanks. It is invoking the power of the one true supreme living God. It's invoking the power. This is not in my notes, but I want you to throw this on the screen for me, Tommy. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. Because here's what the Bible said about the name of Jesus. There is salvation. Neither is there salvation in any other. There's no, there's no salvation in any other name. He said, for there is not, <clears throat> pardon me, none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That is the only name that we can be saved by. Is everybody with me? So when you invoke the name, when you cast out devils, when you pray for healing, when you preach in the name, when you baptize in the name, let me tell you what, what a, a, a preacher of the past told me. And I say a preacher of the past because he's gone to be with the Lord, but he was my father. And we were talking one day. He said, Danny, when you don't know anything else to preach, you preach the power of the name of Jesus because devils hate the power of the name of Jesus. Does anybody believe that? Preach the name. So let's talk about the works of Christ. These are some, some, some very... Interesting. We're talking about the works of the Father tonight, the works of the Father. So talking about the works of the Father, we have to talk about the works of Christ, and here's why. John chapter 10, beginning at verse 22. 
And it was at Jerusalem, the Feast of the Dedication, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not. The works that I do, watch this, the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. For ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my hand. I and my Father are two. Huh? He didn't say we're separate. He didn't say we're two different people. He didn't say we're two persons. He said, I and my Father are one because his Father was spirit. And that spirit was in that body. That's how he could say, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and my Father are one. So the Jews could not understand that Jesus was, and here's that blank you need to fill in, the Messiah. Jesus offered them proof that he is indeed God manifest in the flesh. He offered that to them. Now, I'm just going through these notes, and you have the notes in front of you, and I want you to take them home. You can dissect them, bisect them, do with them whatever you want to. But when it's all said and done, this is truth tonight. John 5, 36, but I have a greater witness, watch this, than that of John. I have a greater witness than that of John. For the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do, bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me. I'm talking about the works of the Father tonight. Jesus is saying the things you're seeing me do and the things that are happening in my earthly ministry are the works of the Father because he said the Father is in me and I am in the Father. So I'm, I'm nailing down on this last Wednesday night study of this subject that Jesus Christ was God in flesh and what he did upon this earth. And what he is doing now is the works of his Father. Amen. So Jesus was saying, my greater proof. This is really what he was saying. My greater proof is, and here's the blank you need to fill in, the work that I do. You don't believe who I am, so here's the greater proof. The work that I do. Is not of me, but it's of my Father. He said the things Christ did were the greatest evidence that he had that he was indeed God manifest in the flesh. How could anybody deny that Jesus was God? No man can do what Jesus Christ did in the flesh upon this earth. Nobody. Amen? Nobody. Go look at his earthly ministry. Nobody could, could, could mimic come close to or do anything that God could do through 
Jesus Christ. So John 10, 24, 25 said, Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt if thou be the Christ? Why don't you just tell us plainly? Why don't you tell us plainly? Jesus answered them. Watch this. I told you and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. Here's the proof that I'm God because I'm doing what, what I'm doing in the name of my Father and I'm doing it to show you who I really am. It's not me. It's the works of the Father in me. It's not this flesh. Did you hear me? It's not the flesh of Jesus. It's the works of the Father in him. Jesus was telling them that although they no longer believed John and they did not believe him, just look at the works that he did and take them as proof. Everybody say proof. That's proof of who he was. He said it again, and I'll read on after John 10 and 30, he said, I and my father one. Then he said, then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered them, many good works have I showed you from my father. For which of those works are you going to stone me or do you stone me? And the Jews answered him saying, for a work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. And because that thou being a man makest thyself God. Their reply in a nutshell was that they were not stoning him for what he had here's your blank, done, but rather for what he had said. They were mad because he had said, I'm doing the works of God. I'm doing the works of my Father. They were trying to grasp the supernatural through the natural reasoning. Could I tell you something? The Bible said the carnal mind is not subject to the law of God. There have been many, many times in my ministry and in my life when I as a preacher, have tried to reason spiritual things with somebody that was carnal. They'd never understand when they're carnal. You can go tell somebody something spiritual that's carnal, and it'll go right over their head because the Bible said the carnal mind is not subject to the law of God. But you give me somebody that's praying and somebody that said, Lord, I'm submitting, somebody that said, Lord, I want to do the right thing. You show me what I need to do, and there you, you can talk to that person because they understand the spiritual, the supernatural, the things of God because all the things of God are supernatural. And I want to tell you right now, just carnality will never understand spirituality. That's good stuff whether you believe it or not. Amen. So what they were doing is, is, is they were going to stone him, not because of what he had done. That was all good stuff, but because of what he was saying. They were trying to grasp who he was, and they couldn't understand who he was. And he was the Messiah, but they rejected him. Go read John chapter 1. The Bible said he came unto his own, the Jews, but they received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. There were some that got it. Jesus countered them by saying, before you reject me for what I have said, take a look at what I have done. Before you reject what I'm saying, take a look at what I'm doing. They couldn't deny that. 
They couldn't, they couldn't say it's not happening because the crowds knew it and everybody else knew it. He was there. He was anointed. He was powerful. He was there ministering to people and to hurting people and to lonely people and to dying people. And he was there because the Father was working in him. The Spirit of God was manifest through him. Hallelujah. The next passage is the key to everything I want to say to you in this Bible study tonight, okay? The next passage, because Jesus lays down challenges that resonates to this very hour that you and I are living in. Listen to me right now. John chapter 10, verse 37. He said, if I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. If I don't do what the Father wants me to do, you don't have to believe in me. But if I do, though ye believe not me, believe the works, that ye may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Here's what I want to tell you tonight. Here's what I want you to understand. If you don't believe, you say, I can't grasp this, what you're talking about. Can you believe what God is doing in this church? Can you believe the miracles, the signs, and the wonders that God is performing among his people? You have to believe not just what he says, but what he is doing because that is the work of God in the New Testament church. Hallelujah. Not just good works, but he said the same things that he would do would be the works of God. That's three blanks in your your study, the works of God. If they were not something more than just good works, no one was under any obligation to believe him. What he is saying is, is don't believe my words, but how can you deny what I'm doing? I'm doing the works of the Father. I'm raising the dead. I'm healing the lepers. I'm feeding the hungry. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the things that God wants me to do. How can you deny what I am and who I am? He was literally doing the work of God upon the face of the earth. Here's the works of the Father. This is pretty, pretty cool. You stay with me right here. All of Jesus' work in the supernatural was proof. That's a blank. That he was God manifested in the flesh. Everything that he'd done upon this earth was proof he was doing the work of the Father. Now, I, I, I got jotted down some things here for you to compare. God moved upon the face of the ocean. Amen? He moved. Jesus walked on the waves as God. He couldn't do it as man. Oh, you say any man can do that. Uh, well, go try. Anybody here ever walked on water? Did I ever tell you all about my barefooting skiing expedition? Now, when I was young, I could ski. And I still can. Don't challenge me. About three or four years ago, they challenged me and they couldn't throw me. But I'm, I'm a little worse now. I'm pretty sure. Hadn't tried it and don't intend to. But when I was young, I said, you know, I, I could ski and then I could slalom and I could get up and I could go and I could jump the waves and I could run from one side of the boat to the other. But one day I decided I was going to ski barefooted. And uh, don't do that unless you've got a real fast boat. Because I still hurt when I think about it. I watched them how they done it. They just stepped out of those skis and reared back on that rope and, you know, your toes sticking out of the water. 
Well, let me just tell you, it didn't work for me. And I like to broke my neck. But you can't walk on water either. Go try it. I'll take you down to the river tonight if you think you can walk on water. But God did through Jesus Christ. In one place, he moved upon the face of the deep. Another place, he walks on the waters. In Genesis chapter 1, God spoke fish into the sea that was buried. But in Luke chapter 5, he orders fishermen to cast into the sea that had yielded nothing, and they pulled up a catch that almost sunk the boat. You see, I'm talking about the relation between God and, and God manifest in the flesh. In Exodus 16, God fed the people that followed Moses in the desert by making food to appear. Let me tell you, he fed manna, which was a miracle food, and, and, then, and then when they got tired of that, he fed quail because they were griping, and he fed them so much quail in the Old Testament that the Bible said, you go read your scriptures, the Bible said it ran out their nose. I've eaten enough food of some kinds that I felt like it was running out my nose. But it literally, the Bible said it ran out their nose. But guess what? Jesus turned around and fed 5,000 people in the desert with five loaves and two fish. God, in Genesis chapter 1, commanded that the grain of the field and the creatures of the sea be fruitful and multiply. But Jesus, in Matthew 14, caused the fish and the loaves to be multiplied. I'm just showing you the relationship. God wrote, in Exodus 31, his law on tables of stone with his own finger. He took a finger and wrote out the Ten Commandments. But Jesus wrote the law of grace in the ground with a woman that had been caught in adultery. You say, well, what relationship is that? Because only God could do what Jesus Christ done. He was doing the works of the Father. Amen. So there are more, more demonstrations of his power. They are the manifold, or excuse me, the manifest, and here's three blanks that you need to fill in, acts of God. They are acts of God. Jesus said, the works that I do are the works of my Father, and they bear witness of me. They are my proof. Here's to prove to you that I am God manifest in the flesh. I don't know any other way to prove it than to do the works of the Father. He told them over and over, when you, when you see what I'm doing, it's, it's, it's not me. It's the Father that worketh in me. It's the works of the Father. Am I right? Here's four blanks. You ready? Fill them in. That is why Christ heals. That is why Christ delivers. That is why Christ provides. And that is why Christ, Christ reorders natural events to provide supernatural answers. Why? Because he wants you to know that he is God in flesh. He is willing to prove that he is God not by just what is said, but what he can do. How many of you believe his power has not diminished? Jesus Christ, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 13, or maybe I got it backwards, 13 and 10. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is still God manifest in the flesh. Amen? Let's look again at John 5, 36. I'm hurrying. He said, but I have greater witness than that of John for the works which the Father hath given 
me to finish the same works that I do, bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. So Jesus will make you an astounding offer. If you cannot believe what the preacher's saying, just, just let Jesus go to work on you and in you and for you and see if he's really God or not. Let him go to work on you, and if he does not deliver, then you don't have to believe in him. My mother's testimony that I read to you a few Wednesday nights ago, she said, Lord, if this is for me, I want you to show me, and I want it. This, I, I, Hey, this is not real good stuff to say in a pulpit, but I, I double-dog dare you to just turn it all over to God. You know why? Because he can do for you what nobody else can do. And the work of Jesus Christ in your life will be the work of God in your life because he is doing the work of the Father. Watch this. The greatest creative work of God was his first in Genesis 1 and 3. God said, let there be light, and there was light. Do you know Jesus will do that through you? He will change the void and dark place of your life into a light that shines in your path and through your eyes and he will change your life. If he can create a world with a spoken word, why can't he turn the lives of people around just like that and God will do the work of the Holy Ghost, the work of the Father in you. He'll take it He'll take it really quick and really easy for you to just turn around and everything be new in your life. He, the Bible said if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Behold, that means you can look and see. Old things are passed away and everything becomes new. That's when you find God, you don't talk the way you used to talk. You don't live the way you used to live. You don't look the way you used to look. You don't hang out with the same bunch you used to hang out with because you have Christ in you, the hope of glory. The creative God that spoke the world into existence will do the same in you. He will do the work of the Father in your personal life. Hallelujah. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, shine in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God spoke light into darkness, and God will complete the work of the Father by speaking light into you. That's why Peter picked up the pen in 2 and 9 and said, You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praise of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. You ready? If Jesus can't do the works of the Father, don't believe him. Don't believe him. If he cannot create beauty and harmony out of chaos, if he can't bring peace to explosive violence, if he can't bring order to catastrophic conditions, if he can't make fruitful what was barren, if he can't speak light of hope into the darkness of despair, if he can't bring the light of liberty to the darkness of bondage, if he can't breathe life into what you think is hopeless and dead, don't believe him. But don't, 
don't do that before you give him a chance to do what he and only he can do in your life. Because let me tell you, no program, no pill, no needle, no psychologist, no psychology, no, no, no education, no anybody can do for you what Jesus Christ can do for you. He will do the work of the Father in you, and the work of the Father is this. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And I believe that's what God wants to do in this church church and God wants to do in our community and I believe that's what God's been doing on our Sunday mornings he's doing the work of the father right here in this church let's talk about a manifest work this is a great scripture I heard Gage I heard Gage uh, refer to this when he was speaking here uh, a few days ago listen to this John chapter 9 this is a great story As Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus said, he answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works, here we are, the works of God should be made manifest in him. He's blind so I can show you what I can do. The works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground. Now, how many of y'all going to come up here tonight and let me spit on dirt and rub your eyes with it? This is what Jesus did. The Bible said he spat on the ground and made clay out of the spittle and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said unto him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. Now, I want to I I say a couple things to you here and I'm, I'm hurrying to a close tonight. If you let Jesus go to work on you. It will leave you with three things. And fill in these blanks because I want you to remember what I'm about. This is what I'm going to close with tonight. A life that is unrecognizable. He'll leave you with a testimony that is inarguable. And he'll leave you with a faith that is unshakable. Think about that. Here's, here's why I say he'll leave you with a life that's unrecognizable. In that, very, in that very story, if you keep reading in verse 8, the neighbors, therefore, and they which before had seen him that he was blind said, is not this he that sat and begged? They didn't recognize him. Is this that same guy that was blind from birth and sat and begged? If you skip on down to verse 18, the, the Scripture said, But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. And they asked him, saying, Is this your son who, who you say was born blind? How then doth he now see? I love what his parents said. They, they answered and said, we, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he see, now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, he's a big boy, 
Why don't you just go ask him? Let him speak for himself. You see, the, the neighbors were questioning, is this that same guy? Because when God gets through with you, you're going to have a life that is unrecognizable. People are going to say, boy, he's changed. What happened to him? What do you think people would say about you, Gage Conley, if you'd walk back down in the streets of Baton Rouge where you did all the evil things that you did years ago? What do you think, God, God what do you think people would say? And is, that, is that that same guy? Is that the, they, let me tell you something. They had a hard time putting a finger on the Apostle Paul because he was a saint killer at one time. When God gets through with you, you'll have a life that is unrecognizable. That'll preach right there. I could spend an hour right here tonight. But not only that, you'll have a testimony that they can't argue with. Hallelujah. John chapter 9, verse 24, watch this. Then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I do know, and this is what, this is what he said. One thing I know, that where I, whereas I was blind, now I see. And you can't argue with that. How are you going to argue with me? You know what I tell people about the Holy Ghost? Don't argue with an experience that you've never had. If you've never had it, you don't have an argument. But let me tell you, when you get it, you won't want to argue because it's an inarguable move of God in your life that will change you forever. It is truly the works of the Father. Then, they, then said they unto him again, What did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? They couldn't get it. He answered them, I've told you already, and ye did not hear. Wherefore would ye hear it again? Will ye be Will ye also be his disciples? If I tell you again, will you be his disciples? That's what he said. And they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciples, but we're Moses' disciples. We know that God spake unto Moses as far as this fellow. We know not from whence he is. The man answered and said unto them, Why herein is a marvelous thing that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened my eyes. In other words, who cares where he came from? Here's what I know. I was blind. I was blind from the day I was born. But now I can see. He has opened my eyes. I got 20-20 vision, and the Lord has done a work in my life. He said, now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth since the world began was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. I've come to tell you on a Wednesday night, if you want to know who Jesus is, he is God from top to bottom. He is God both in and out. He is God doing the works of his Father, who was a spirit that sent him and lived in him and was a part of him. Let me tell you right now, he was 100% God and 100% man, and yet he, his flesh gave in to the spirit, and he said, I am doing the works of my Father. That's why Paul said he's God manifest in the flesh, seen of angels. Preached to the Gentiles. Who's preaching to the Gentiles? Jesus. 
You want to know who's preaching to the Gentiles? Go read Acts chapter 10. Go read where the Gentiles received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Peter came off a rooftop and went and preached to them. Jesus. So here is a life that is unrecognizable, a testimony they can't argue with. And then the last thing I'm going to talk about tonight, after Jesus does the work, you will be unrecognizable. You'll have your testimony, but what more? When you understand that Jesus will manifest the works of the Father in you, your faith will be unshakable. How many of you want unshakable faith? Unshakable faith. I know what Jesus did for me. Look, nobody can come tell you what he didn't do for you. When, you, when, when God does a work in your life, just like he did this blind man, every work of Christ is replaying, replaying the creative work of God. And Jesus is asking you to just watch him work. He is God manifest in the flesh. So here in this last night of study, he is the mighty God. He is the mighty God in Christ. And Jesus Christ came to this earth robed in flesh, but yet was God. I'm going to say it to you one more time. This is why we believe in the power of the name of Jesus, because it's not just a name behind that name. I wish I had time to preach to you, and I am one Sunday, but I'm not going to get it in in the next, in the next few days, because Sunday morning I'm, I'm, I'm going to explain baptism to people. But listen to me. Every Old Testament name, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Zitkanu, Jehovah Shalom, and all the Old Testament names, I could go through them, but all of them meant God provider, God is our healer, uh, God, God is, I mean, the things that he was called were descriptions of what God was. When you say J-E-S-U-S, Jesus, you get the provider, you get the healer, you get the savior, you get the deliverer, you get everything that God was in the Old Testament, all wrapped up in Jesus Christ. What those Old Testament names did was describe him, but when he came and took on the name that is above every day, ladies and gentlemen, this is why I believe tonight that we better be grounded and in truth and understand why we believe that Jesus is God. We don't, it's a song a few years ago, years ago, I was, I was way younger than what I am now, that came out that said, Jesus Christ, superstar. And it talked about one God sending another God down to die on a cross. And, you know, that, that's not what happened. The Bible said, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. We believe that. But we don't believe one God sat on a throne and sent another God down to die. We believe that God, who was in the eternal bliss of glory, put on flesh in Bethlehem's manger, and he became man, and he lived and walked among us for 33 and a half years, and then he was crucified, and he rose again, and he ascended back up into heaven, but he did not leave us without his spirit. The same God of the beginning came to live in us today, and that's why he can say, let there be light in your life, and light will be created in your life. He can't just say it in the world, 
He can say it in your life. He can say it in your home. What I'm telling you is there's one God, three manifestations of one God. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, John 4, 24. Jesus Christ is a son. Matthew 1, 21 says that you shall have a son, and his name shall be called Jesus. And, and John 14, 26, Jesus said, I'm going to send the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, in my name. Another place he said, I will not leave you comfortless, but I will come unto you. And, and that the Holy Ghost came in Acts chapter 2, and the Holy Ghost came in the book of Acts. Why did Paul say, it is Christ in you, the hope of glory? I want to nail it down tonight. Not one God, three manifestations of one God, and the only saving name of the church is Jesus Christ. 